Hey guys, welcome to For The Kudos episode 27. This episode is brought to you by Atlas Events. Atlas Events are the organizers of events such as Sunshine Coast Marathon, Cairns Marathon, Brisbane Marathon and Hobart Marathon. I'm your host Brett and I'm here with Joel. A tired Joel. Joel. Very, very tired yes. Joel. He's just broken the record, the FTK re- recording record. It's now 10.16 p.m. I arrived back from Mount Buller at 9.30 p.m. And yeah, this is this is what we uh, what we do to the FTK listeners. I would love to have pushed this uh, recording back, but you know, I'm here with a big smile and, on my face. But last episode of the season, so nice little break after this one. Going out luckily. with a bang. Yes. Um, how you been going? How was it? how was the snow? Unreal. Yeah, I want to. I want to. Yeah. I, uh, I might quit running and quit Grattan House and just become a full time snow bunny up there. <laughs> Just get wear all the gear, um, but no. I went up there. It was Father's Day yesterday, and I haven't seen my dad for a while because he's up there managing one of the um, one of the ski lodges up there. Uh, and yeah, I thought I'd just go and drive up and say hi to him, surprise him. It was great. He was totally. Oh, he didn't know you were no coming. No idea. He was totally shook. He was watching us walk up the. We walked up the stairs of the lodge, me and my sister, and he was like shook. Like he was looking at us. He thought we were guests. And he couldn't work out. And it's like he was that we were his kids, and he sort of because he's like, "Hi guys, welcome to." And then he's like, "Couldn't." It was so weird. And then like <laughs> ten minutes later, he was sort of like, "I'm I'm still a bit shook." And I was like, oh, "Get over it, mate. You'll be right." Do you prefer going to the uh, Alpine region in the summer for running camp or for a snow <laughs> it's, camp? Let me just say it's way cooler there in the winter. Like everything's buzzing. Yeah. There's like a great atmosphere. Whereas like you go up in Falls Creek in the summer and there's like 1,000 anemic little Dave McNeils running around. <laughs> <laughs> Dave McNeils. <laughs> Just writing long captions. 60-minute <laughs> run, 45-minute caption. <laughs> oh, David, David, David. How are you, Should I, I should ask? Yeah, good. Um, disappointing result for me. Yeah. Um, it is over last weekend, but we'll uh, yeah we'll get to that when I get into my training week. But yeah, I don't know. Much positive, I have been able to train since then, so I'm not I'm not injured, which is the main thing. Yeah, I was going to say, I we the listeners, uh, I think, are happy to hear you have a little a little um, disappointing race in this one. So that then the episode after London is going to be full of full of excitement, as opposed to you know, hopefully, mate, I'm backing you. I had to get rid of that. Had to get rid of some. Some bad luck. Yeah. So now I had washed my singlet. Now the bad luck's gone, and we're back to having good luck. I'm I'm backing you to the hills for London. And let me tell you, I wasn't backing you to any hills for this hour track race. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah. thought it was the most ridiculous thing on earth. So yeah, who cares? Well, let's uh, let's kick straight off. Um, tell us. We do. Yeah, this is also the episode with uh, Rob Dickerstella coming up. So that is an hour long interview. So we're going to just kind of rush through. Yeah. M- most of our stuff and. Uh, let Deke do the talking, I reckon. Yeah. Um, I'll get into my training week. Kick us off. Uh, yeah, so Monday just started with an easy hour run around Bushy Park with uh, Steve Scullion, who Steve Scullion is a um, Northern Irish. I think he, oh, he actually competes for Ireland and Northern Ireland. Um, Pick a side, mate. He's a, mar- yeah, no, a marathon runner. Yeah, they're two sides that don't really yeah, like each other, so it's funny to be, be yeah. for both. But, um, 
yeah, he, he's getting ready for Berlin Marathon, um, which is the week before London. So it's been good, good doing a few runs with him, but we actually haven't been able to train together just because I've been doing these races. Um, but yeah, when our, our run with Does him. he listen to the podcast? Then, I think, yeah, he said he's listened to a few episodes. Um, I think he used to have his own, own podcast for a bit as well. Uh, so he's a bit of a rival. Listening, listening um, to us for a few tips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah he, he'd be good. I always Every time I run with him, people always messaging saying oh get him on the podcast we have had a lot of people um, messages about that him. yeah that that would be a probably a four-hour episode <laughs> he, he can talk um but yeah no, a nice little run just 404s and then 30 minutes in the afternoon tuesday went to the track um for a track session so funny had this yeah i had this uh, yeah had this race coming up on the friday on the track so Went there and I had two sets of a mile in 428, 300-meter easy jog, a 500 gone through 463, 100-meter easy jog, and then a 300 in 45. Um, so I did two sets of that and then I Do did find so funny, another it, mile at the end. It's whenever we talk 500s and stuff, it's always just what? going through the 400 Lap in 63 yeah because no one can work yeah. at their 500. Like <laughs> no know. one knows what a so, 500 uh, time is. <laughs> Yeah, it, was, it would have been 119. Yeah, okay. Um, 238 pay, K pace, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 it makes good sense. Um, yeah, so but I don't know. I felt actually pretty good doing doing this session. Um, Did you throw the spikes I was running on 60, for anything? Nah, I, was, I took them and then I was like, nah. I just, like I never wear spikes anyway. So I'm like, nah, I don't really, really want to. But um Running uh, CC7s for the 400s, sorry, for the miles, it felt pretty cruisy. So I'm like, I'm running a lot slower than this on Friday. So I knew uh, the pace should feel okay. Um, and then did – my Achilles felt pretty good in that actually. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like put some of those blister pads on and it kind of stopped the rubbing, which is really good. And yeah, so I didn't really Have feel Have you still it. been using that cap- I- capsicane? No, um, I was speaking to Brad B and he said you can, I could stop using it now. Um, <laughs> can so stop using it. New study came out. doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't work, yeah. <laughs> There's a new cream yeah. now, so I'll let everyone know the new yeah. Um I've just been trying to like ice it a lot and kind of get the inflammation down. It's It just still kind of seems puffy around the area. Does so, it have that crepitus, um, crepitus sort of feeling through it? No, I don't have that. So it's just still funny though because like I'm literally cr- feeling the crepitus as, as you say that. Um, <laughs> but I do calf raises and stuff and feel nothing. So yeah. I don't know what's like, yeah, it's, it's just strange. It's just annoying really. Um, yeah, 8K in the Arvo. Wednesday did 50 minutes and then 30 minutes and then traveled to Brussels. It's just a short little like 45-minute flight. Thursday... Got up and did 30 minutes with Stewie um, and that's all I did for the day. So a nice rest day. Um, Friday did 15-minute shakeout in the morning before the race and then, yeah, went out to the track. So that's quite – this is like – Can I say that's um, like quite a – so the race was Saturday, right? Friday. Ah, uh, that makes sense. I'm going to shut up. This is the morning, morning gotcha, of the race. I'm, I'm reading 15-minute shakeout and I'm thinking that's the day before and I'm like, wow, two days before you only no, did no. 30 minutes? But yeah, I'll no. shut up. Um, no, just a little easy run in the morning of the race. And then, yeah, went out to the track and yeah, kind of my plan going to the race was to run about 69s and 69.70s 
and just kind of like see how I thought if I could run like yeah 1430 1435 for each 5k like I should be feeling pretty comfy yeah. um, and then kind of looking at the forecast the days before I'm like yeah it's going to be pretty warm um, and then as soon as Which I is, did the warm up I'm like tell you right, what pre- pretty that? warm pretty warm in uh, in Europe for a track race you're a 1500 runner you're like yeah that it's alright but uh, pretty warm for a 60 minute <laughs> 60 exactly. minute yeah. time trial on the track it's like okay this is going to play a bit. Yeah, so it was it was 27 degrees when I started the race and there was a clock on the home straight that like had the how hot it was and just exactly what you wanted to see every time you were running the, down the, the straight. The clock was like a Salvador um, Dali clock. It was melting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like, like if you go to a half marathon and usually it's like 10 or 15 degrees or something like that. And yeah, so 27 degrees is a, bi- a big difference. Yeah. Uh, yeah and after, after my warm-up, I'm like, all right, I think I need to go 70, 71s here. And then I got on the track and the track was just rock solid. And I'm like, okay, this is like kind of all the bad things that could go bad. And like a few years ago, I, I ran on a really hard track and my calf actually tore. So I'm like, great, this is not what I want. Um and then, yeah, I kind of like, to be honest, I got a few laps in and I was like, this is not going to be fun. Yeah. Like, I could just you know, tell right? straight it's away. It's one of those I'm things, like, you just know. Yeah. And like, I'm, I was running like 70s and like, yeah, I was feeling kind of comfy. And But then like after probably like 10 minutes, I'm like, it's still, and I was running by myself as well. Like, it was just like, it just sucked because I was just by myself. It just well, it didn't seem very fun. And I'm like, so and how was that? Because I, I, I didn't thought, actually watch the race, but how um, there were how many people in the race? Uh, there was ten, ten, including two paces. Okay, so you've got. Were you last, or were you just in no man's land, or like how? Um, no, I was like, uh, I was probably like second or third yeah. last, and then, but in no man's yeah. land, and then I, a few of the front guys started like blowing up like pretty early. So like I was already going past one that was blowing yeah. up. Um, and then, yeah, but the front guys were just going at this like ridiculous pace. Like th- they were trying to break the world record by like 200 meters and they were literally crawling yeah. at the end. They, they missed it. Like it, the event ended up being such a failure <laughs> because they weren't even close to breaking the world record. They were running over three minute Ks at the end. Um, like half the field pretty much pulled out. Yeah, wow. But yeah, I, I, I kind of got like, like in, you know, for like like cycling world records and all that, that's like you know all that. the hour. It's like in the track in the velodrome. It's a controlled temperature. Yeah, it's like for for a running thing. How do you expect to do? You just can't break. Like to break a world record, conditions need to be need to be perfect, right? You can't be exactly. You can't be going. Oh shit! Well, you know, it's a, we've got a rickety old track <laughs> that's sun damaged and it's yeah. 30, 30 whatever degrees. It's like yeah. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, it was probably like five k in. And I was like, I'm not, I know I'm gonna pull out here at some yeah. point. And then so, and like my Achilles was like, I could start to feel it a little bit. Like it wasn't really hurting too bad, but I'm like, it, uh, like what's the point right now? Because I know I'm gonna run slow. Like I know this isn't gonna work out well. I know I'm gonna be very sore from it if I keep going. Yeah. So I was just like, it, it's it sucks. It's like a bad attitude to have because, but it's hard when you go into a race with a niggle. And then you have a lot bigger race coming up in a month's time. Yeah. It's very hard to like mentally Definitely. kind of risk yeah. it. Um, and to be honest, if when, you, and especially when things are going wrong. If you were to like my look at it was, okay, that's an incredibly wise decision because you can be the tough guy and you can, you know, not 
not sort of succumb to any mental weakness and you can tough it out and be tough and like everyone goes, yeah, yeah, that's really good. And then maybe you haven't run for the rest of the week and then you've got to, exactly. pull, you've got to pull out for Lon- from London. It's like no one's calling you a tough guy. Everyone's just saying you're a fucking idiot. So it's, yeah. um, I think it's a smart decision to be honest. Yeah, but like I was able to warm down half an hour and like it felt – my Achilles felt fine. The next morning ran 75 minutes. Um, yeah. Sunday I ran – two hours and then ran 30 in the night and like my Achilles is kind of the same as it was. So I haven't made it worse luckily. Um, and then yeah, I'll be able to train this week. I'm running, I'm running half on uh, this Sunday. Um, and my, like I don't have the, the spikes just where it kind of sits on your heel. It's so tight on your heel. So it's just the worst thing for yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, now I'm in, in uh, vapor flies, it'd be, a lot better, be but um, so pretty much, I just became a spectator of Brussels Diamond League, which is good one. Pretty cool. Got good a one to witness, uh, yeah, witness Stewie run twelve fifty six, um, and Jake Whiteman, who I was kind of hanging out with before the race, he won the eight hundred. So um, that was pretty cool to see. And both of them were complaining about the the track, so that's why I'm friends with them because they were saying a bit as how shit the track was. So <laughs> they were backing me up. <laughs> um, how was Stewie before? I know I was taking the piss out of him. I'm not going to say what I was saying. <laughs> Do you remember what I said to him when we were on the – me and Jack were in the car and you were with Stewie and I said something stupid to him. But anyway, um, he – and then there was a bit of banter going back and forth being on on loudspeaker and I think either Jack or myself, I said – I think I said something like, are you going to bloody pull your finger out and break that record or something? And he goes, yeah, I'm going to run 12.45. He said something like yeah, that. Yeah. And it was like this. He kept, he kept saying he was going to um, run twelve fifty. Twelve fifty. Yeah, some twelve fifty or something like that. So he was. Yeah, it's funny. Like he was kind of before uh, Lasam when you ran three thirty the other day. Like he was confident yeah. that he was going to run well, and he was the same going into this five k. Like he was confident he was going to run well, which is like yeah, great to see. And but yeah, he just did like. He it's funny, you could see his plan was to get on Grant Fisher yeah. and just sit on him. Um as he kinda like came around got a, his usual bad start <laughs> and then and then came around the field and yeah, flying past everyone. Then he sees Grant and he just like tries to slot yeah. in straight behind him. But um yeah, it, like even after the race he's like, Oh yeah, I think I was just he felt he was a little bit weak with a couple of laps to go. Um but he just feels because he doesn't run the five K that much, he finds it hard to kind of gauge his energy yeah. um yeah but to be honest, he ran good like his his last lap was 61 um yeah, wow. which is not probably but it's probably not no, great no, true. like here i'm thinking wow but it's like, like well he's running yeah needs to close faster yeah like he, i think he's all he always thinks he should be able to run 60 at worst yeah. um so but i don't know like yeah in, in another another day um I, like he'll, he'll be able to get that record yeah. definitely yeah but yeah, seeing, seeing Grant Fisher was pretty crazy. Yeah. That was uh yeah, a really what good run. There's a is lot that? of good runs. What number is Grant Fisher of all well, time? I don't know. Glad I glad, should've, should've asked <laughs> I'm me glad I that. asked. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in the show notes. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like to be honest, is like a fair few people have run twelve forties. Yeah, well a fair few like Africans yeah. have, so Yeah. But no, nah, it's it's pretty Pretty bloody good. Yeah, so. But, and like he was like in it to win it as well. Yeah. Got to like, just that guy, um, crop just had too much down the straight. But yeah, it was pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was cool to watch. And then, yeah, Jake Whiteman in the 800 was, was really good too. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was a cool meet then. It was so loud. Like they just have like music blaring. They have these like as soon as you they start a race, all of a sudden you hear these like they sound like explosions, but it's these they have these like big African drums. Oh, wow. And they're just like there's like they're, like performers just like absolutely banging the shit out of them. And they it's a, it is so loud Sick. and they just play that for the whole the whole, whole race. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Um, yeah, great, great atmosphere. And there's like forty thousand people there. The drummers, something. the drummers were looking at the schedule, going, "Fuck!" Did you guys sit there talking to each other, going, "Fucking hell!" There's an hour. There's an hour. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like do you, I'm not sure my arms can hold the sticks for that long. And then, yeah, by the end, the the athletes are running like three twenty k, and the drums just like so lazy. It's just. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, what, yeah, 150 k's. What'd you do for, me the for the Saturday, week? Sunday? Did you tell? Did you tell us that? Maybe. You yeah, I did run 75 minutes on Saturday morning with Stewie, yeah, right. then travelled back, and then Sunday just I did two hours. Um, you, by myself, you did a Sunday double. And then 30 minutes over. I did. Oof. Just well, yeah. I don't know. Like I'd have to get some training at some point because I do. In hindsight, I wish I didn't, I didn't agree to do this race. Yeah. Um, it's easy to say now, but I it would have been good just to get a little bit of training in at oh, some mate, point. Shut um, up! You've trained enough. Every all the listeners have heard about how many days of training you've been doing. Yeah, barely trained oh, the last. Shut week. up! And then I'm not going to train this week. Fucking overtraining. Give your body. Yeah, maybe. Give your body some rest. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, anyway how's your anyway, week? Anyway, talking about overtraining. So my week, <laughs> <laughs> my week finally play the fireworks music, Duff. Monday started with a run, 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, really? Yep, 30 minutes. Jeez. I know. That's what I mean. Throwing that over. <laughs> over training. <laughs> um, no, so it was good. 30-minute jog, just kept it super slow. Um, to be honest, I think uh, the Monday run is helpful for the – like I don't really like doing Sunday and then, you know, Sunday sort of long run, 80 minutes, and then having Monday off and then training hard Tuesday. Um I find, yeah, I think an easy sort of jog on the Monday makes Tuesday better. Um, Tuesday, I just had six by 1K at like my perceived 10K race pace effort. Um, so did that. So you've picked up a bit since yeah. last week? Yeah, it's a little a little bit faster. Um, went three minutes, 259, 258, 258, um, and then three minutes, three minutes. So, yeah, it's about a, it's a 259 average. Um would I be able to run twenty nine fifty sub thirty? Yeah, yeah, I reckon. I reckon it felt so like the two fifty eights were probably because it was really windy. It was shit, shit conditions. Um, and did you say this was at the tan? Or? Tan, yeah. Um, yeah. and uh, yeah, I just didn't didn't feel that that great. Um, and yeah, I was sort of Thorpey was was sort of starting when I like we did the two fifty eights and I was sort of hanging on the back of Thorpey a little bit. Um and they just felt they just started to feel that little bit, okay, this is probably a little bit too quick. Um and that's where I like there's no I'd always just stay with Thorpey and just finish the session and like, you know, be maxing out and Tim Osh um was sort of looking at the side and he just goes, Joel, like do almost that thing like Joel, remember? And so I just like backed off and just did them um with L Christie there um and we just finished in three minute pace and thought and thorpey ended up running like i think like 255s or something so he was like stretching quite 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 a way out in front um but yeah finished the session felt good uh i'm definitely having that lower back thing that i get it's yeah i'm trying not to like complain and talk about it and stuff but it's pretty much there for every tuesday um and i was speaking to 
someone about it think I was speaking to Richie Johnson about it, um, and he said, "Look, it's pretty much because you're in the car from you know I'm staying in Box Hill at the moment. It's an hour drive, pretty much. It's just under an hour drive to training, and I haven't been giving my you know when we train at Waverley." I you know I get out of my and I say this to my own athletes too. It's like you shouldn't be getting out of the car and like warming up. You you know when we go to Waverley, you have a, like a lot of time to sort of limber up. But at the tan, we don't. There's nowhere like there's no grass. Yeah, but you but also you always are running Cut late, that rushing <laughs> and getting out of the car and then going oh yeah shit, shit stressed out and then get straight into the warm up. That's old so, doll, mate. Uh, that's all that's on you, doll, mate. What are you talking about? Yeah, okay, yeah. How early we are on Tuesday? Yeah, old Joel took over that day. All right. <laughs> yeah, and and now tonight, tonight you stand up late, tonight. Week, late again tomorrow. <laughs> tonight, tonight. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm wrong, try to take the piss out of you. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I definitely I'm, I need to get there earlier um, because it doesn't. Yeah, it's the only session it sort of happens in, and it's the only session with a with a big long car ride. So I just needed like loosen up my hips a bit more before the session. Um, Wednesday morning went for a super early run at the eight miles run, the hospitality group run that George Wintle, um, has, has set up every second week there for hospital workers. Um, and my sister Phoebe, who friend of the podcast helps write our episode descriptions. Um, she had a little session. So she's coached by Selma, who is Collis's wife. Um, and, yeah, so she had, I think, five by three minutes at like five-minute pace. So I was just like, I'm just going to go run with her um, and, you know, it doesn't really matter how slow it was. But the run was only 30 minutes and I had 50 minutes. Um, so I there was sort of nowhere really to run in Fitzroy at that time. It was starting to get busy and I didn't want to run around the same thing. So I sort of drove drove five minutes down to one of the trails and did another 20 minutes by myself at, a, at my normal. <laughs> so, yeah. so you did a little 30-minute run, had a short little break and then did a 20-minute yep. run. And guess what? Old Joel will be stressing about that. New Joel, who cares? <laughs> Thursday. You know, people were commenting saying um, like old Brett would have kept I know. going. I, s- and on my, I saw yeah. people doing that. It's just like, you know what? I actually don't, you know, that's not funny. Brett, Brett pulled out of that race. Yeah. Like, imagine how he's feeling. Nah, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, who were they bullying in that scenario? Both of us, I think. It's yeah, like a two-bird with one stone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's great. Uh, Thursday morning, I had a 60-minute run out, just super, yeah, again, aerobic 60-minute run. Um, and then I finished at uh, Kinetic Sports Performance, which is the gym I have been going to. Um, and working with, you know, Sean there who I've we've spoken about Sean, um, and Dylan, Sean, Dylan, and another one of the train trainers at, um, kinetic sports performance, Tom, do you know what the Vold plates are? Did I tell you about that, Brett? Vold, Vold plates. Yeah. No. So they're like the, um, those force decks. So have you ever like you talk is going to be listening to this gun. Oh, Brett doesn't know what the Vold plates are. <laughs> <laughs> That's de- he doesn't know what Jim is. <laughs> so true. Um, so they're like they're like four stacks. There's this super bloody expensive piece of, of equipment that you have to have like on rent. You can't buy them, um, and it's like for performance testing. So you yeah. like you do these sort of certain tests on the like strength based tests um, to you know, and then you, you like look at all the data. So it's like you know the like hop jump. Um, you know, like a max, yeah, yeah, you know, know what they are, right? So I'd never, I'd yeah, never sort yeah. of done that um, because, you know, when Dylan 
had sort of assessed me before, you know, it's a lot, it's, it's, you know, you're doing stuff by eye and like seeing how stuff feels in terms of strength and like how stuff looks and how the stability and all that. Um, did you just change the, the zoom of your, no, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> your, my, my... your camera just went real zoomed in. I feel no, I, I didn't do a thing. Look, look bloody yeah. hilarious. Um, so yeah, it was good. I was able to see, uh, yeah, see like sort of weaknesses and you know, between like my leg differences, um, which is definitely going to help me with some more gym moving forward. Um, so yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool technology there. Um, did they say what they, what well, they found? I'm or? still waiting on the result. Yeah. They, like, so he was taking yeah. Tom, the guy who uses the te- like technology has got, had the iPad and he was like, honestly speaking. And he sounded like Einstein, like he was the stuff he was saying. And I was like, <laughs> I don't understand like any of this. And Dylan was there. Cause Dylan sort of writes my program and Dylan's like, Oh yeah, yeah. Perfect. Okay. We'll implement this. Oh yeah. We'll do this. We'll do that. And I'm like, nerds, I don't care. You just tell me what to do and I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, a, it's one of those things where it just takes, I know a few, um, a few physio clinics, are using them now. It's one of the things that's like all the strength conditioning, uh, like, you know, um, labs and stuff and, and AFL teams and a lot of like the big team sports and stuff, they're all using them. And it's one of those things. It's like, I feel like running and it's like the sport of running, like in America and stuff, the co- I bet you all the college running teams are using it. But like in Australia, like who's using that? Like, did you use them at the Institute of Sport? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah which is again, that's good, but n- not that many runners get to use. Um, yeah, get exactly. To to so, I reckon I'm going to try and get some of my athletes to go do some of that that testing, testing there. Yeah, that'd be um, cool. So yeah, then I had Friday it was just a, a day off. Sorry, I forgot to mention I had Wednesday gym as well. So going the Wednesday night gym into that Thursday strength testing probably wasn't um, wasn't ideal, but mm. that's, it's it's all about like the next time I go do the testing to keep the same sort of the constant. So make sure I do gym again the night before. Um. But yeah, then Saturday morning I had a threshold, 15-minute threshold, and it was like sort of supposed to be just below, like five five beats below threshold. Um, and remember I said, you said, oh, you're going to go to the same place again? Yeah. I did. did yeah, it was the exact same place and it was 3.17 pace. So that's 11. So it's like 12 seconds. Yeah, 11, 11 yeah. 12 seconds a K quicker in a week, which is pretty funny. Damn. Damn, boys getting fit. Two, two more weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two more weeks, stressy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that was good. And then Sunday, I this was yeah before going to Mount Buller to surprise my father, I went to the Burnley half marathon. I had an 80-minute run, um, but I had a bunch of athletes running there. So I thought I would just go. Yeah, super coach. I'm a super coach, yeah. Not a super athlete, but I'm a... Eight from eight PVs. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it's awesome. I think, you know, eight... eight what, was, what was I at Gold Coast? 11 from 13, I reckon I was. 11 or 12 from 13. So I reckon eight, eight from eight's almost a step up from, from Gold Coast. But yeah, it's great. Like seeing all my athletes run. It's really good as well being able to... Like, so the, the course there, um, just on that on that boulevard there, yeah, the, like the Richmond Boulevard. Um, and I was just running on the bike path next to it and, you know, for 80 minutes just going up and down the same thing. But it just meant I could see my athletes like all the time. I was, you know, I saw them like yeah. six. I don't know how many laps they did. Would have been probably five laps or something. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was sick. It'd be uh, That'd be a boring run if the race was on. Oh, so boring. 
And it's also nice because I was yeah. seeing so many people, like people yelling out to me and all that. So it's always, you're just sort of like, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Stopping and, well, not stopping and talking to people. But um, I said to, I saw Whitey, you know, Andrew White, obviously. Um, and he yeah. he was there and I like, you know, was a sort of smart ass to him when I, like I ran past, said something smart ass, like got a bit of a laugh. And then like on the way back, did it again. It's like I went back past him like 12 times and it's like I was running, I was running out of funny things to say and I'm like, like even for me, um, but yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, 75K for the week. So Not bad. How many was last 70, week? 70. Yeah. So, so a slight increase. A slight, slight increase. Yeah. So that was it. Good, good work. Thank you. Um, and now we have the Deeks interview. We'll, the one um, we've all been waiting for? Yeah. So for those that don't know Rob DeCostello, like I'm sure most of the people have heard heard of him but may not know everything about him. He goes into a lot of his career, so I'll let him do most of the speaking. But uh, yeah, Deke was a two-time Commonwealth Games champion, including winning the 1982 Brisbane Commonwealth Games in front of a home crowd, uh, former world record holder, four-time Olympian, and still holds the Australian record for the marathon with a time of 207.51. Um, yeah, great interview. With Deeks, he, he loves talking and, the and first time I'd met him was so yeah so informative as well about just yeah goes into detail and, and gives great answers. Um, also, should mention he started the Indigenous Marathon um, yeah. Foundation, um, which we'll is put yeah, links to that like doing great things in, in Indigenous community. We'll so put links to all um, that. also thanks to Atlas Events for organising the interview for them. If it wasn't for them, it wouldn't be uh, possible. For sure, so. I think it's the perfect way to close out. Um, Season two, you know, we aimed, we were trying to make season two bigger and better than season one. That's what we're trying to, trying to do with Grat, like at Grattan House, just make make it better, better than the last. And I think it's yeah, saving the best best interview. Um, oh yeah, from Australia's Australia's fastest marathon record holder. And let's uh, maybe season three will start with the new Australia's fastest mar- marathon record holder hosting. Hey. That would be good. That would be good. If not, we'll get De- Deeks to be the host. <laughs> if not, we'll get. It's like we get. You have a bad race, and it's like Deeks coming on. It's like sorry, bro, you're done, mate. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Enjoy, guys. Now, Rob, thank you for uh, joining us today. Um, I think we have a fair few listeners that are kind of newish to running. That probably got into it during COVID. I'm sure I know your name um, since I pretty much bring it up most weeks because <laughs> my, my, goal, my goal is to one day break your marathon record. But uh, they probably know the full story behind your amazing career. Like, um, Can we just go straight back to the start and kind of growing up in Melbourne, attending Xavier College and like how did you first get into running? Yeah, look, um, uh, well, g'day, guys. Uh, nice to to join you, and congratulations on the on the great work that that you're doing. Um, you know, so important for us to to share our love and and passion for for running with uh, with the community, and um, and hopefully, you know, sort of pass on a little bit of advice to make it more enjoyable for for uh, for people starting out, and even you know anyone who wants to run a PB. Hey. I think that's that's well. It used to be my goal, not anymore. I just <laughs> my days of running PBs are well and truly past. Um, but um, look, yeah, I started running. Um, uh, it was my my dad, my old man, who who got me running um, back. You know, geez, back in the probably the sixties. 
Um, and, uh, and, you know, back then running was still a bit of a novelty, you know, not, not, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a big fun run scene and, um, and, you know, sort of the, the, it was coming off the back of, uh, I guess some of the research or some of the stories around heart disease and, and how important it was for, for people who were high risk of, of heart attack and stuff to, to do exercise. So that's how long ago it was. Um, and uh, now everyone just takes that for granted. But back then it was, it was a bit of a revelation and, and, um, uh, my old man, um, he, his mum died of a heart attack in her forties. And and he actually had his um, his first heart attack when he was forty nine. But before that, you know, he started getting up in the morning and and running around the streets of Kew, where where I grew up. And um, uh, for some reason, you know, I'm the eldest the eldest of seven kids, and and he decided that uh, that I should run with him in the mornings. So, so no wonder you were so out. good, Rob, because those streets in uh, Kew—they're not flat. No, nah, there's a pretty, few hills there. Pretty <laughs> hard running in Kew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, and um, and so you know, he, he dragged me out of bed, and I used to hate it. And you know, I, I was a little, probably you know, twelve or I don't know, eleven or thirteen, and I used to cry. And, oh, you know, don't want to run and. I'd hide my shoes somewhere and he'd, <laughs> he'd always find them and say, here they are, put them on and come out. So he dragged me out and we'd go for, you know, these little little 3K runs around the street. Um, and and then gradually, you know, sort of I started to get more into it um, and then I started running at school, you know, sort of we had a, a group of, of kids, uh, other boys at Burke Hall, which was the, the prep school for, for Xavier over, over around Studley Park. And, you know, you're talking about hills in Kew. The, yeah. the, hills, the hills around Studley Park are, are massive. I'm pretty and, sure my first um, ever fun run was that De Costello run. I would have done that. I'm, I'm 28 now, and I think I did it when I was about eight, nine, so almost 20 years ago. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah well, rough, it's good to rough see. Rough course. Yeah, it's a, it's a real tough course. And actually, I'm heading down this coming weekend for it. It's not, it's on again. So so now, you know, sort of where the, my foundation, the Indigenous Marathon Foundation, is a, a co uh, co partner. Uh, or beneficiary, so so I'll be down there again, and it'll be great to to you know sort of keep that. I think it's one of the oldest continuous fun runs in Victoria now. Wow! Um, yeah. So it's, it'll be great to get that going again. But anyway, look, you know, I got in with a a group of of classmates at uh, Burke Hall, and we'd meet up after school and and go for you know runs around the golf course and and the hills, the, the boulevard around around um, Studley Park, and uh, around Q there, and um, then you know we, we'd run cross country in the winter, um, and you know, probably didn't probably do so much track, maybe a little bit of track in the summer, but mainly cross country. Um, and then you know, sort of, um, I got connected with my coach Pat Clohesy, and and Pat was a history teacher at Xavier College, and when eventually you know I I went to from Burke Hall to Xavier. Uh, you know, got in with with Pat's training group, and and uh, and initially, you know, sort of, I was always towards the back of the the second half of the field. You know, I wasn't I wasn't good by any means, um, but just hang hung in there and just you know enjoyed the social camaraderie. 
occasionally running a PB. And then, you know, over a period of a couple of years, I started to improve and uh, and then, you know, started winning cross-country races uh, probably, you know, sort of when I was about 15. I think the under-16 cross-country races, I, I was starting to win them. And, um, and then, you know, sort of it just sort of progressed from there, um, went from training with the school school guys to uh, training with some of the the senior senior guys when I was you know sort of 16 17 started training with Chris Wardlaw and Max Little and uh, you know John Axelteef and a whole host of the, the 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 distance runners top distance runners of that era and um um and you know I I was always pretty robust you know physically uh, so I was able to I think uh, sustain a fairly solid training load and um, and then you know sort of um, went from representing my school to representing Victoria to then you know competing at nationals and then representing Australia and I think my first international team was um, uh, probably the world cross country back in 1977 so I was 20 and uh, and competed in the in the senior world cross country and finished I think you know 36 or 38 back then. Was um, it about then, Rob, that you decided or you thought you know you could make a career out of this? Was it like a, that first world's team, or did still it was a few more years before? Because obviously there's a big difference between amateur running. You know, with the Olympics was still amateur then, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, no, look, it was it was more just. Um, it was just it was just what I did, you know. Like um, there wasn't, I didn't at that stage think about going to the Olympics and and representing Australia and um, and all that stuff. Uh, certainly, you know, the first World Cross Country team uh, was pretty amazing. Mm. You know, the World Cross Country. Uh, you've run World Cross Country, hey, hey, Brett. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've run it a few times. Yeah. Yeah, just the you know the the size of it. Um, and Brent back says it's in, the hardest race he's ever done. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, because well, you have everyone from you know five fifteen hundred five k runners all the way up to marathon runners, and and back then there was only the one. It was just a twelve k for the men, and I think eight k for the women. Um, and and you know you, you're racing against you know sort of I think the country, each country could put in like nine runners. So the, the depth of the Africans and the Europeans and all of the Americans and everything was just incredible. Um, so, you know, sort of, so I did reasonably well and then uh, came back and then went to uni and, and sort of went off the, I didn't go off the rails, but I was training harder than I'd ever trained before, but also um, as a What did a you young, study at uni? Um, I, I went to Monash and did a year of engineering and didn't really enjoy it. And then I went to Swinburne and did uh, biophysics and instrumental science, a, a science degree there. Um, and, and, you know, got into that because, of, you know, I was more interested, I think, in the physiology and the science. And, and, and that was the position was sort of focused on working in a, in a hospital environment as a intermediary between the, the engineers and the, and the medicos. Uh, which I found I found really really interesting, uh, both from a technological perspective, but then also just from a, a physiological perspective as well. Um, so yeah, so you know, sort of um, every year or every two years, I'd run the World Cross Country. 
uh, and gradually, you know, sort of progressed up. Uh, made my first Olympics in 1980 uh, in Moscow. So I was uh, 20, 23 when I competed in Moscow. Um, and then, you know, that was the first of my four four Olympic marathons. Um, and probably, you know, sort of round about sort of, yeah, probably just before Moscow, um, I really decided or, or made a commitment to to make make running my my number one priority, and and then when you know when you do that, uh, everything else fits in around it. You know your sessions become the most important thing. Your rest becomes the second most important thing. Your diet, um, you know your your training group, uh, your socialize. It, it becomes your social group that you hang out with. Uh, and and you, you focus always on your next big competition. So um, you know, I I never really uh, I never really got hung up in race stats and and results and stuff because once you know once I'd run a PB or once I'd won a, a big race, my focus was always on the next one. And and um, you know, I sort of not not forget about it, but I wouldn't focus on the past. I always just focus on the on the future. And um, uh, and I, I just knew that uh, when I when I did retire, I didn't want to have any regrets. You know, I didn't want to feel as though oh shit, you know, I should have I should have you know committed the, here or I should have done that or um, you know. In hindsight, I made I made some silly mistakes, but at the time, uh, at the time, I was one hundred percent convinced that I was doing exactly what I needed to to do. Um, so, you know, sort of, so 80 was my first Olympics, 82 Commonwealth Games in Brisbane uh, 40 years ago was uh, my, my first major championship win. And, Actually, um, after I, um, we did that talk a couple of weeks ago up in uh, Sunshine Coast, I said to Joel, I'm like, you got to watch this 1982 yeah. Com Games. Yeah, I, wa I watched it. You chasing down the Tanzanian athlete. Um it looked like half of Australia was out there on the course. Yeah, look, it was a it was a great breakthrough for me, uh, both as an athlete, but also um, as you know, sort of a high profile person in Australia. Um, you know, you've got a I I'd, I'd won the Fukuoka Marathon the year before and ran two eight eighteen, um, and so you know I was already already uh, you know reasonably well established. Uh, and and in, with hindsight, that was a, a world record to eight eighteen. Um, so you know, I was I was right up there already, and um, and then you know, sort of went uh, to another level with the the win in Brisbane, because you know, sort of as you said, uh, so many people came out. Yeah. Um, it was the Brisbane Commonwealth Games uh, just captured the. The imagination of the of the, the country, but also the community, and um, the marathon started at six a.m. Uh, and people came out. Uh, I, th I think they were out there partying all night and just stayed, <laughs> stayed out there <laughs> and, uh, and and turned up and and uh, and then you know sort of the race was pretty dramatic. Um, and I'm surprised that you, you fellas, only have only just seen it. God damn! I, I remember seeing it when I was <laughs> when I was younger, definitely. But I probably I forgot what the, exactly you know what the happened in the race. Um, but yeah, I definitely we we I remember watching that on some sort of junior running camp in Victoria, in Victoria when I was young. But yeah, reflecting on it, it's still yeah 
lot more interesting than Brett's any of Brett's races. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. was it? What was it like having um, kind of the, like the feeling of having all of Australia behind you, but also that pressure? Um, look, um, it's it's what you live for. It's what you train for. So so you've got to you've got to embrace it. Um, you know, like you know, if if you if you find it too hard uh, having having other people expecting you to perform, uh, then what the heck are you doing? You know? <laughs> you know, I mean, this is this is that's your bread and butter. You know, you the better you get, the more people are going to to follow you, and um, and you know you've got to and you've got to separate. Uh, people's expectations into two groups. You know, there's the people who who know you. You know, that's your you know, your coach and your training group and your family and you know people who who have understand what you do and the commitment and everything you put in. And then there's all just the the fans and followers uh, and the running community and they they. Um, you know they're they're really supportive and enthusiastic, and they they play a really important role in your career. But um, don't ever get hung up on on what their their expectations are because they don't know. Yeah. You know, all they're doing is they're on the outside looking in, whereas you and your family, and your coach, and your and your your training group, uh, that's the inner that's the inner sanctum. You know, they that's the group that really understand what's going on, and they're the ones that you really listen to. And and uh, and it must be hard for you guys because you know we didn't have social media and stuff back then. You know, goddamn, we didn't even have emails back then. <laughs> you had pay phones. You had to put twenty cents in a in a pay phone on the corners on the street corner. <laughs> That's you know, when you're travelling around the world, you 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 go and get you know, sort of five dollars worth of of coins to so you could phone home. To <laughs> I suppose, Rob, uh, the be- the the better you got um, in your career with you know the the, the bigger the De Costello name got, the, the difference in size between those two groups was would just increase exponentially you know that the you'd probably have to keep those close to you um that's small sort of group but then before you before you knew you know most of the the, the running world well everyone in the running world knew knew your name so that it still is quite like a big big amount of pressure but i suppose as you said it's how you deal with that pressure and that's why you you know ran the times you did and you're still the australian record holder yeah yeah and it's, it's like that old that proverb like you know uh if you can't handle the heat get out of the kitchen yeah. Like you know, sort of you, you you know you you need to strive to capture people who who follow you and and get on board and and support you, but but don't you know don't feel as though um, they dictate to you what you know what goes on, um and you know sort of I was really fortunate uh, because to to get a real public following. Um, yeah, I think I said this the other the other day too, Brett. Like you know, the first time you win, which was for me in Fukuoka when I you know set a world record, no one really knew who I was except for the running community and the guys that I I trained with and and run against. Um, so that was in December um, eighty one, and then I came back out and won the Commonwealth Games. So that put me, you know, sort of up in the public eye because everyone was watching the Commonwealth Games. It was the last day of the Commonwealth Games and every, and it was, you know, sort of um, televised on breakfast TV and all that sort of stuff. So I, a lot of the 
the um, you know sort of the broader community uh, were introduced to me, and then from um, eighty Commonwealth eighty two, then I went to the World Championships in uh, in eighty three and won again. So a lot of the people who were following and saw me at the Commonwealth Games then start following you. So you've got to win three times. <laughs> got to, you know, you've got to, and then you've, you've got to live up to the public's expectation because they've, you know, they've got up early to turn on the television or they're, they're following you for, so, you you know, you better damn win, otherwise you're, you're letting them down sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, sort of from uh, World Championships, then, you know, sort of I went to, um, the Los Angeles Olympics, and and I finished fifth, which was for me a disappointment. And for a lot of my uh, my uh, people following me, it was a disappointment. And a lot of people wrote me off because back in those days, uh, there was a sort of a belief that you could only run about maybe four or five marathons in your life. You know, your top wow. marathons, because they were just so hard. And and after four or five good marathons and your body just broke down and you couldn't, you know, you couldn't get PBs. Uh, so a lot of people said, oh, you know, yeah, Deke was great. You know, he had all those great marathons, but his career's over and, you know, and let's look out who's who's the next one coming through. And that's probably when mine has started to, to come up. Um, and then, but then I I came back after uh, after Los Angeles, relocated, moved from, from Australia to the U.S., uh, set up a home in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, you know, one of the first, the first of our our uh, distance runners to to go to Colorado, um, and and I lived over there pretty much for five years, coming backwards and forwards to Australia. Took my whole family over there, and and we settled there, and and then you know, sort of from '84. Um, then you know, had world champs in '85 that I didn't do so well in. Came back in '86 and won Boston and set smashed the course record uh, and that's you know that's my two seven fifty one that that Brett's got pinned up on his bedroom wall <laughs> <laughs> as an aspiration. Not just Brett, every <laughs> every young Australian does. <laughs> oh yeah, I wanted yeah. to ask you about that um the nineteen eighty six Boston when you did run the two hundred seven. Like, how many years ago is that? Like thirty six years ago now. Why do you reckon that record has stood so long? Um, and like no one's even really been close to it for a good 20 years. Like, do you think athletes the last 20 years are doing something wrong with their training or is there something else? Or were you just stopping? so good? Yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, um, um, I think, I, I think I, I was good. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, because we'll you know, there's that. a lot of, there's a lot of athletes, a lot of marathon runners on the world stage now running, you know, two sevens, you know, two seven, two six, two five, two four, you know, like, you know, but um, but back then it was pretty unusual. There weren't there weren't too many. You know, if you ran two eight, you know, two eight was a was a great time. And if you got under two eight, then that was that was just incredible. I think when I ran two seven, it was the second fastest time uh, ever run. Um, and and you know, you look at the. I think the technology has improved. It changed a lot. You know, we're talking about the shoe technology, but also, you know, there, there was no GPS watches or anything like that. Um, we didn't have splits. Um, the, you know, when I ran that two seven in Boston, um, you know, I, I was in in the lead. I think from about, you know, I don't know, five five or ten k, and and the the only splits I was getting was the timing vehicle, and every mile 
every mile the the timing vehicle would put up the the last mile and and my goal was to make sure every mile was sub five minutes um and and you know so i was racing every mile i was just pushing hard and and the good thing about the miles in the marathon is that there's 26 of them as opposed to the 5k where you've only you know only got eight um so it breaks it up into smaller chunks and um and then you know sort of um uh and you know the yeah, like i said the technology was completely different back then um why haven't people run faster um yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure um i don't think it's i don't think it's the money uh i i you know i mean the i, I was a career athlete i had you know, big contracts with uh, back then with Adidas. Um, there was prize money. There was appearance money in Europe and in the US. Uh, so, and you know, the reality is that as a as a professional athlete, you have to you know you have to chase the money to some extent, but you also have to commit yourself to the championships. Representing your country is the is the the thing that goes down in the history books. Um, so, so you know, sort of Olympic Games, World Championships, Commonwealth Games, uh, they're they're the things that that really you know, sort of you look at Wikipedia and they'll they'll be the things that are, are first mentioned. Um, so that's you know that's that's really really important. But um, uh, yeah, maybe you know I, I train I train pretty hard, um, and maybe I just was. My legs were, and my body was strong enough to to just handle that that high mileage and the and the quality. Um, you know, we're, Brett, Brett and I were chatting just about the the difference in our training sessions. And um, you know, I had really only had two two recovery days in a week. Um, and and you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday were all hard sessions. Monday and Friday were my recovery days. And even the recovery days, I was still doing a 10k run and a and a 16k run. Um, so you know, sort of, you've got to train hard. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and you've got to you've got to have that physical robustness. Um, and you know, you've got to you've got to um, you've got to be really comfortable in the spotlight. And you've like you're saying, you know, asking before about expectations and pressure and stuff. Um, you know, you've got to you've got to use that as a as a force to get the best out of yourself. Um, otherwise, otherwise you, you you run the risk of self sabotaging your your achievements. Uh, and self sabotaging, uh, what that means is that you actually you never a hundred percent commit yourself. You commit yourself ninety nine point nine percent because then you've always got a bit of a uh, an excuse, uh, but but you've got to give absolutely one hundred percent and have you know. And the reality is, maybe you're just not good enough. But if you don't give a hundred percent, you'll you'll never know. So you've got to get out there and you've you've got to do that. You've also got to listen, you know, listen to your coaches. Um, you know, that was one of the big mistakes that I made going into the Los Angeles Olympics in '84. Um, that I, I, you know, I overtrained. Um, elite athletes, it's not about. It's you know, the coach really doesn't need to motivate you to train. If anything, they need to hold you back uh, because you can't, you know, you can't race hard and you can't 
train hard if you don't train easy. And uh, and you get into this mindset where you think you're bulletproof and you, you start smashing out mega mileage and mega sessions and you just, you know, you, you just deplete yourself. Um, and once, you know, once that happens, then, then uh, this, you know, because it, when, when you're in your best shape and you, and you go into a, a big race, not only do you have to run a PB, but you have the ability to go up to another level. You know, you see, you see some of the, the great breakthrough runs that distance runners have had, and they don't just run a PB by a couple of seconds. You know, sometimes they can run a PB by, you know, 10, 15, you know, even 30 seconds in a 10K. Jack Rayner's 10K this year to break the Australian record. What was that, PB by 40 seconds? 44 seconds. 44 yeah. second PB. Yeah, yeah. So, so that, you know, and, and, that's, and that's, you know, that's when you're on that crest of the wave. You know, it's like surfing. You've got to get yourself onto the crest of a wave. You go too too much weight forward and you come off the wave, too much weight back and you come off the wave. You've just got to ride ride that wave of great performances. And that I means can't surf you, shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. But, uh, hopefully, hopefully the analogy makes sense. <laughs> it does. Um, Rob, just on that, um, we had a listener question here from Lockie Connell talking about the technology. He just said, what are your thoughts on the new super shoes? I'm sure you've been asked this many times, but everyone sort of in, would be very interested. And he asked, what time do you think you could have, have run, say, in that Boston if you had the super shoes? Yeah, look, I've I, I got no idea. I mean, I, 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 think, um, I think now that everyone's got them, it's, it's an even playing field, more or less, you know. So, so you know, it doesn't, it doesn't concern me so much. Um, but uh, when you know when when Nike were the only ones that had the shoes and they patented it and, and you know were restricting other other shoe companies using the same technology and stuff, I thought that was unfair and 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 not an even playing field. And that's that's almost like you know sort of um, running running you know ten meters thirty meters shorter in, in a in a ten k race. You know, yeah. Um, so. That's so. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't keen back then. Um, the reality is that technology moves ahead anyway. Like, you know, sort of Ron Clark ran his records on on grass and cinders, and then you know, sort of um, on, and cinder tracks. Um, and and now, you know, we've got these incredible rubber tracks. Spikes have been evolving since you know since shoe technology started. Um, so the uh, the concept of of now being able to harness the the energy of gravity and and use that to rebound yourself forward, um, you know, it's not in one way. You know, running is one of the most pure and simple activities that you can do. Um, so you know, it, it takes away a little bit from the purity of running. Uh, you know, and, and that whole thing about barefoot running, and and you know, sort of the concept of of born to run, and and you know, it's it's really romantic, but the reality is the technology is really important to to help people avoid injuries and to run PBs and to get more enjoyment out of their running. Um, so so you know, shoe technology and the, these new new spring shoes are um, it's just a way things are evolving. Um, you know, would I? I don't know what I would have run. Um, you know, two hundred three. Yeah, I've yeah, I've I've got no idea. You know, I've I, I've never even 
uh, run in a pair of the, the shoes. I probably should get a, a pair just to have a look at them. But um, maybe you make a PB. Talking, <laughs> I remember talking to Monas and asking him, you know, sort of um, what he thought about them and and everything. And and he said, oh, he hates them. He hates them, but he runs five seconds a kilometre faster. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had a, a funny moment up at uh, Sunside Coast when we we're talking about this technology, and I also said, "Oh, these what what gels did you use?" when you ran marathons and you laughed at me and it was like <laughs> gels weren't even invented then like you were just sugar with water yeah yeah that's right yeah just yeah, just mix up a bit of glucose into water and 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 you know put it at the drink stations and um and very you know yeah so yeah there was no gels uh, all those things of all the nutrition side of stuff has has improved or evolved quite dramatically um so you know sort of I was you know I was back in a in a completely different era but the but the thing is that we were we were both running you know yeah. and that's why Brent you know if you do break my my national record like I said don't break it by one or two seconds you got to break it by over 30 seconds and then I'll know <laughs> yeah. it's not the shoes <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I do think the good thing is that like to recreational runners it will bring more enjoyment like the shoes will help them stay injury free um the the gels and stuff they definitely help so i think for yeah the wider public it's definitely a, a very positive thing um can we talk a little bit about your training what, what was like an example like kind of standard week for you um well um the most important thing is a sunday long run you know so back then uh every sunday was 21 22 miler 21 miler when i was down in melbourne up in the dandenongs um, I think 21 miles is, um, what, about 30, 35 kilometres or something. Yeah. Uh, so, and up here in Canberra, it was, you know, 35 kilometres around the hills of Stromlot. Uh, always start off really slow um, and and then gradually, you know, pick What's up really the pace. Slow? Like, what are we talking? Um, probably, you know, six and a half, seven minute miles to start with. Yeah, you know, um, so I'm not sure again what that translates to in K's, but but you know, really because because you always saw you always saw from the last couple of days of training. So that first that first 10 minutes is just your your warm-up and loosen up and um and and you know, so I, we'd all we'd all I'd always be at the back of the pack uh on Sundays. We'd have a big a big training group wherever we ran, whether it was up in Fernie or up here in Canberra or over in, in Colorado. Um and and then every time you came to a hill, you run as hard as you can. Wow. You run run your guts out on the hill and uh and then you know sort of wait for everyone to catch up and and you know jog down the hill um and and the same the same again. So your Sunday long runs were usually hilly. So you were lucky because you were the best, obviously. You got to go up the hill hard and then you could recover and wait. Poor, poor person in last having to go as hard as, as he could and then gets to the top <laughs> and then you're all ready to go again. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but but you know, um when you when you're training hard, uh, there's always someone in a in a group who's fresh. You know, and they and they and they can smash you in training yeah. sometimes, you know. So so you know, I was always running and training on tired legs. Um so you know, the only time I really freshened up was leading into a, a race. So so long run on Sunday morning, uh easy five to eight K Sunday afternoon, again, you know, just to to help flush out 
the soreness and stiffness. And then Monday was a recovery day, so uh, easy 10K. If I was, you know, say when I was working, um, it'd be easy 10K and then 16K in the afternoon. And then Tuesday in the winter was always a hill session, so about a 5K warm-up, uh, about 3K, 3 or 4K hard, fast, so threshold running, a little bit of a jog, and then about 15 to 20 minutes of hills and then and then uh, another, you know, 3 to 5K warm down. So Tuesday hill sessions were a fairly solid, probably about 20K hill session. Uh, Wednesday was a 30K long run wow. and usually on the flat, so on the bike path or, or something where you're just, you know, sort of rolling along at, um, you know, sort of, um, you know, six-minute pace or, or whatever. So, you know, roughly 16K in an hour type, uh, maybe you know 65 minutes for 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 16k um and uh, still still another 10k so 10k was always my my morning run uh, or second run and then uh, thursday was a track session so tuesday hill session wednesday 30k thursday 8 400s uh, in spikes on a on a rubber track uh 5k warm up couple of laps, put your spikes on, a couple of laps to strides, just to loosen up, and then eight times 400, running the 400s as hard as you can and having a float, you know, sort of 40 to 45 second 200 float. Um, and then another another lap of strides afterwards and then another, you know, three 3K warm down. And, and then Friday was another, like Monday, Friday was a recovery run, uh, so 10K and 16K. And Saturday was another hill, another tough hill session. Uh, usually um, up here it would be, you know, sort of 5K warm-up, um, a hard surge, running over the hills and then and then finishing really strong um, over the last, you know, 3 or 4K. And the same with the long runs as well. You know, always the Sunday long runs, um, 30K um, on Wednesday, always pick up the pace over that last, Three to five k, so be you know sort of probably I don't know what pace we used to run it. We didn't have Garmin, so I don't don't really know. <laughs> but it was it was solid. You've just explained why the marathon record still stands. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it was, I, I think it was you know I'd run 120, 125 miles a week, uh, and that was my that was my standard session. That you know, and you've got to do that for years. You know, you, we used to say you're racing today off the last four years of training. Um, so, and you got you got to make sure you don't get injured. So, you've got to have you know massages. You've got to have access to a good physio, uh, good good um, osteopath, or someone. You know, you, you you tighten up through your your lower back and um, your hips. Um, so, you've got to you've got to have access to people that can look after your body. Uh, and then, you know, and it's got to be fun, you know, ha- having a, a great group that you hang out with and every every training session is, that's how, that's that's your social life, uh, you know, hanging out with, with your friends and, um, and you know, and then, you know, having barbecues or whatever um, on the weekends where you'd, you'd catch up and enjoy yourself. You know, travelling overseas uh, and, and racing is is what it's all about. Uh, you've got to be able to step up to another level when you when you put on your racing shoes. You've got to you've got to 
be able to to race at another level. So that means you've got to freshen up for a few days, uh, you know, before you you race in marathons. You know, I'd, I'd start tapering two weeks out, um, and the first week I'd I'd ease back. I'd still do similar mileage, but I'd ease back on the intensity. Uh, and then the, the, a week before, I'd cut back on both the mileage and also uh, slow down a little bit more. But you're still, you know, still running twice a day, um, you know, almost leading up to the marathon. Maybe, you know, the, maybe a couple of days before, I might just just run once once a day. But um, but you know, when your body's used to to that level of training. Um, and and you know from shorter races, from road race, ten k road races and fifteen k's and and stuff that you can still race really really well um, off off a, a a reasonable training volume. I think it's uh yeah definitely so important as you as you mentioned Rob to enjoy the sport because when you're training as much as you as you were um, if you're not enjoying what you're doing it's going to make life pretty hard. Um, yeah. Is it true you did triple run days? Um, uh, a little bit. I tried. I tried it for a while when I was when I was um, at the institute. At, um, my first my, after I finished my science degree, uh, Dick Telford, who headed up the AIS Sports Science and Sports Medicine back then, when the AIS first started, uh, recruited me from Melbourne, and and uh, I came up here to Canberra. And um, I so that would have been you know like you know early eighties. Um, so I do my ten k run in the morning, and then at lunchtime I'd go over and do a uh, like a plyometric gym session with bounding and and strength work and and stuff, and and then try to you know run later on again do my main session in the afternoons. Um, but but it wore me down, you know. Sort of it was it was just a little bit too much. Uh, so I. You know, sort of, and you, you know, your your body, your body tells you when you're doing too much, um, and you've got to listen listen to it. Uh, yeah, well, you don't you don't listen to it too much, <laughs> because because it's hard work. So you're always tired. If you if you wait till you feel good, you'll never do anything. Mm. But but you you sort of got to when you're starting to get niggles and injuries and and things then then you've got to you know uh, tweak and modify your your training. Um, post running career, you started the Indigenous Marathon Foundation. Um, I was lucky enough to meet Ray in DC up at Sunshine Coast, and I don't think I've ever been more interested in in two people's stories. Like when they were up on stage speaking, like yeah, I was so captivated in what they were saying. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the foundation and, and what it's about? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a it's a huge passion for me now. Uh, you know, I'm obviously not Indigenous Australian, but you know, I was Australian of the Year, and um, I've stood on the Victory Dais under the the national flag and anthem and, and stuff. So I'm a really proud Australian. But um, that back in 2009, 2010. I had a, a an opportunity to to be part of a documentary that worked with four Aboriginal men and uh, and took them from no running because they you know they absolutely they played AFL but uh, had had no idea that uh, that there was a thing called running distance running or marathons or fun runs or anything like that. Um, so and, and in six months or about nine months back then took them from no running to New York and they ran the New York City Marathon. Uh, 
And for me, spending a bit of time with them and getting to know them and their families and, and seeing the injustice and the and the struggle and the inequity uh, which our First Nations um, live with on a day-to-day basis, I found really hard to, to reconcile as this proud Australian. How can we have so much, so much, um, you know, ugly, sad, sorry stuff out there when when we are so affluent and so lucky? Um, so, you know, um, and seeing the transformation that they went on, because all four, eventually we got them to New York and eventually they finished the marathon and, um, uh, and they finished that with this incredible sense of pride and this incredible sense of accomplishment. And, you know, all of us have been on the finish line of marathons and you see, doesn't matter, you know, who it is, what time they're running, um, when they cross that finish line, they're, you know, pumping the air and they're, they're jumping because they've just achieved a, a dream or they've something that they've aspired to for a long time. And, um, and that's what I saw is that the pride that these four fellas had uh, he healed a healed a broken spirit, you know, like that lack of self worth and self respect that you you have taken away from you when you live in a a, a a circumstance like so many of our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders do, where where rightly or wrongly, or certainly wrongly, they they feel second class. You know, they, they don't feel as though they're respected and 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 um, they have that same sense of, of pride and, and self-respect. But when you cross that finish line, you you feel invincible. And and so since then we've we've worked with um, uh, at, across the country, expanded from um, you know sort of men to men and women to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders from little remote communities. So we, we select a, a group of 18 to 30-year-olds every year, uh, uh, 12, 12 in the squad, train them for, for six months and, and take them to usually to, to New York. Uh, and they also do a whole education program uh, in which is delivered in four training camps leading into New York. Um, so we've now got 122 graduates. We've got a, another 11 that hopefully we'll get to, to New York. They've just finished the, the 25k race uh, that they've done, organised in their in their home communities last weekend, and uh, and we did that so that their families and their communities could be part of of what they're doing and see how far 25k is and how much it hurts, and and our squad could actually share that sense of pride and achievement with their families and communities. In about five weeks' time, they'll be coming into Alice Springs and they've got to do another 30K uh, time trial. And, and then off the back of that, we'll we'll make a decision as to whether we think they're ready to, to run the New York City Marathon, which will be another six weeks after that 30K. Um, so, you know, so it's basically just using running. Uh, I'm trying to build a culture. Of, of distance running, you know, across Indigenous Australia. Uh, our First Nations people are the original distance runners of, of Australia. You know, their, their ancestors travelled uh, by foot across across the continent for, for, you know, thousands of years, tens of thousands of years, 
so so now I'm just really trying to reawaken it and um, and use running and walking and physical activity as a uh, activity to address chronic disease, uh, um, address and reduce the, the gap in life expectancy, uh, but also more importantly to instill that sense of pride and self-worth and and courage and also put them up on a on a profile where where they can um, you know encourage other other um, their their own kids or their nephews and nieces or their aunties and uncles, grandparents, parents to to get involved in in distance running. Rob, can you tell us a bit about the selection process for these Indigenous Australians that want to be part of the, the program? Sure. Um, so off the back of New York, so New York's in that first week in November, um, so we'll open up expressions of interest through our website, imf.org.au. So uh, anyone, uh, if, if you're 18 to 30, Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander, you can put in an expression of interest. So we normally get... You know, uh, close to 200, even the last couple of years with COVID and not going to New York, we've still been getting close to 150 applicants. Um, and they need to tell us a little bit about themselves. And then we do uh, through, so we'll close, start to close off applications about February. And then we do a national tryout. Um, so our head coach will travel around and he'll interview them and, and they have to do a little 3K time trial. And it's mainly the interview. So, so they need to convince him that, uh, that when they hit the wall at, at, you know, 30, 35K, that they've got uh, a purpose and, and, a, and a why, which is going to keep them pushing hard to make, make sure that, that, that they finish. So, you know, all of us in the marathon, you know, you pretty much hit the wall uh, and, you know, you ask yourself, why am I here? Why am I, I doing this? And you've got to have a pretty strong answer. Uh, you know, you want to be the best in the world. Um, you know, you you want to represent your, your your family who've passed away from suicide or or chronic disease or whatever it is. And that's that's the why that they put on the back of their hand, and and that drives them to not only finish the marathon but then to to step up in life and to take on other challenges. Uh, so we want them to keep on running, but we also want them to to address the issues that they're really passionate about. So as I said, sometimes it's you know it, it's chronic disease, family members that have died. Sometimes it's the mental health through through you know suicide, uh, self harm. It's incarceration. Um, it's a whole range of family violence. All those things are unfortunate issues that so many of our First Nations men and women deal with, boys and girls deal with on a day-to-day basis. Uh, but what I am trying to do is to take something which is a negative but turn it into a really positive, powerful superpower that they can draw on and harness to, to really push themselves um, to, to step up in life. Uh, but also to to you know keep keep running and so they come out of it you know they're qualified uh, coaches with Athletics Australia so they do a level one recreation run coaching certificate uh, they do CPR first aid with Sports Medicine Australia uh, they do a Aboriginal mental health first aid so trying to understand a bit more about 
depression and anxiety and uh you know how, how do you what do you say to someone if you know that you're aware that they're looking to harm themselves how do you how do you deal with some of those things uh so they come out with some qualifications in that space and also a cert for in indigenous leadership and health promotion so there's a big education element in it as well because you've got to you know you've got to you've got to know things, you've got to learn things, you've got to understand things, but then you've also got to have the courage to actually step up and, and do stuff. Uh, so it's, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's transformational uh, what these guys are, are doing. It's, uh, it definitely is making a difference. Like even from our race story, I think his sister went through the program and then yep. that inspired him to get into it. And now he's one of the leaders and he's wanting to change people's lives. So it's definitely working. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It's not just the graduates that go to New York. Um, you know, sort of raise one of our run leaders. So he's, he's, uh, he's one of our community coaches. And they start their own running and walking groups in their community. They put on little fun runs. We do little colour runs. Uh, we do events around NADOC week, reconciliation. Uh, we do, we're just coming up to Father's Day. So we do a, a Father's Day warrior run, which is about celebrating men as noble warriors. Uh, so, the, you know, sort of there's a, um, there was a bit of stigma within within Aboriginal men about, you know, sort of all the negative stuff that was was promoted. But what I want to do is everything we do in the foundation focuses on showcasing the positive and using the positive to to inspire and to to celebrate. Uh, celebrating Indigenous achievement and resilience and culture is um is, you know, sort of what the foundation exists for. Um, Rob, we've obviously one of Australia's greatest ever track and field athletes, Kathy Freeman, in Indigenous Australian over the 400 metres, and we've had plenty of success of in Indigenous Australians in the shorter distances. Um, how long do you think it is before we see an, an Indigenous Australian, say, running like a sub-210 marathon, something like that? Um, look, uh, there was one of the goals right at the very start, which was what you know this documentary was all about, you know, can, can Aboriginal men run like the Africans? Um, I'm not... I'm not sure. I mean, certainly there's a lot of middle distance talent, and I think that's why so many of the uh, Aboriginal football players excel in AFL and stuff because it's a uh, uh, it's more probably leaning towards middle distance than it is to to marathon. Yeah. Um, and and I think we will we will find some talented distance runners. Uh, Aboriginal or Indigenous distance runners coming through, especially in the 800, 1500, 5K. Once once we we build the, the momentum, um, and then you know it's like anything, you know, sort of um, trying to find someone to run two seven uh, or faster. It, it's you're, you're looking like you're out out in the dirt looking for diamonds, you know. Uh, and and every now and then you might you might stumble over one, and and then you've got to you know sort of find it, and nurture it, and cut it, and polish it, and 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 uh, and that you know and that one becomes a superstar. Um, and you know we, we're starting to see some young kids through our community running and walking programs, through the, the the community fun runs and the and the coaching programs that are out there, starting to see them coming through. We've got a young fella. Up in um, up in Cairns, who's just qualified to 
represent Queensland in the National Cross Country Championships. So we're starting to see that grassroots. But uh, now that they've got a couple of role models and things to to aspire to, uh, I think you know we we may we may continue to nurture. But it's it's hard, you know, it's it's, it's hard uh, anywhere to to try to find those superstars. Um, you know, they've got to they've got to have the support. Uh, both financial support to get to the competitions and to do the training and get all the, the stuff that they need to to do to recover, um, and then they've got to you know sort of um, uh, just you know be able to be robust enough not to not to get injured and and keep on training and it's years and years of hard work. So you know I don't know maybe maybe another five ten years. If we keep on keep on going, we we may be lucky and we find one of those little diamonds in the rough that we can we can continue to to support and nurture. I'd love I'd love it because you know you, you see the impact that Kathy's had um, not just on Indigenous Australia but on the whole country, and and that's you know that pride that we all share when she won the four hundred in Sydney. Uh, you know, the lighting the flame and doing the victory lap and, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. You know, I, I would love nothing more than for us to be able to find someone in that distance running space to to do the, the, the same. Yeah, definitely, Rob. Um, you're doing great things there. So we'll put all the links to the Indigenous Marathon Foundation in our in our show notes for all our listeners to go and find out more and, and, um, and donate. Um, we had a, a bunch of listener questions, but I think a lot of them have sort of been covered. We've, you've been really insightful and we've gone over a lot of things. Um, but here's one from Jack Charnley. Uh, he asks, asks, what is your favourite race you ever ran in or the most memorable race, if you could pick one? Oh, it would be Boston, you know, the Boston Marathon. Um, you know, the Boston Marathon is unique. Uh, it's, you know, the oldest city marathon in the world. You know, the, the story goes that, um, at the 1896 Olympics, when the American team went over and and you know Baron Pierre de Coubertin had the the first marathon, celebrating that run of Philippides, uh, the American team when they came back were predominantly from Boston, and they the next year organised the Boston Marathon, um, and and it's been going pretty much every year, you know except for you know a bit of a break during the war and and uh, and during covid um so it's got this incredible tradition and and um you know sort of the the spirit of boston is just amazing um and it's tough you know i love the hills uh and for me obviously it was the fastest fastest marathon that i that i ran um you know i i won it by by a mile um and um you know sort of uh and I love going back there and I've taken a lot of our IMP grads and and squads you know like if they get injured before New York can't run New York in November then I'll I'll try to get them to Boston the following April um and I've taken a, a number of them over there and and uh, just you know so proud to be able to share share that whole Boston experience so you know Boston is is but also, you know, some great memories. But you know, Boston's pretty special. Thanks so much for this, Rob. It's uh, it's been great. We're, we're very lucky to have you on the show, and uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to be very pleased to hear from you. Um, hopefully, one day I'm going to smash that record of yours. <laughs> 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 Got to put that in at the end. But yeah, thank you very much, Rob. 
Uh, thanks, Brett. Thanks, Joel. And um, yeah, all, all the best over over in London, mate. Hope it goes really well for you. I would love nothing more than for you to to take my, my record. It was great to spend a bit of time with you up on the Sunshine Coast at the at the running festival up there, and um, uh, and you know, sort of really all all the very best. It's a tough it's a tough gig, uh, tougher now than it was when I was I was competing. The depth uh, and the African dominance um, is is just incredible. But um, just remember, it's just running, mate. Keep it simple. Didn't <laughs> one or the other. Uh, yeah, that's don't, right. Don't overcomplicate it, and um, and enjoy the ride because it, it's uh, the ride. The ride's over very quickly, so enjoy it <laughs> if you can. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Thanks so much, Rob. Cheers, mate. I hope you enjoyed that, guys. Um, this is going to be a very long episode, but we actually asked Deke for. Uh, Instagram segment thing, um, and he had no idea what he was talking about. So uh, <laughs> it's just me and Joel this week. So things we have seen on Instagram this week that we aren't too sure about, Tim. Um, Tim Vincent. Mine is a video from uh, <laughs> from Comrades Marathon. So I think Comrades is a 90. Is it Comrades? Comrades, race in comrades South or Comrades? Com- I don't know. Jeez. It's it's a do you have no yeah, idea? Neither. <laughs> you and me don't have an um, idea about March on this podcast, do we? Let's be real. Like, know, has there ever been a thing when we ask a question? Do we ever go? Yeah, no. Actually, it's always. Oh, I got no idea. <laughs> yeah, we never come with facts. <laughs> we'll come with. Yeah, we'll get back to that. We'll put it in the show notes. We never do that either. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's from the uh, the ninety k marathon in South Africa. Um, we don't know the name of, and so there's a twelve hour cutoff for that, and. The cutoff is brutal this, because yeah. I, I, you told me about this, and you like you like how often we're, we're what at the end of season two, and I don't think you've ever been like you've never sent your things we've seen on Instagram this week that we aren't too sure about TM to me, like you know you just you, early, early you just sent yeah. it and you were like have a look at this this is fucked and I yeah speechless it's like no like so yeah there's like they have a five second countdown and there's like ten people kind of in the finishing straight like yeah like entrance kind of thing and then they the gun goes and then the security guards just block the finish line and all these people are like two meters from the finish and just they don't get a result they don't get a finishes medal um it's just like they never even ran the race they're in 90 they're in 89.998 k and get nothing like you the listeners will go back and watch watch the video like six times i I reckon i watched it like 20 times 20 times trying to like see something watching yeah watching different people exactly i was like i want to see what his reaction is i want to see what her reaction is and it was heartbreaking but then also i was like that sort of you have to do it somewhere yeah exactly there has to be a cutoff somewhere it's like those um the did you see the netflix doco the the berkeley marathons or the barkley marathons whatever it and it's the same sort of thing, that um, crazy guy, and he like created this crazy marathon in the oh, and yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. 140K or something, and only one, and it's really brutal, and people go there, and it's like, well, at the end of the day, sort of that's what makes that race. If people can finish the yeah. 90K in like three days, well, it's it's not exactly, gonna be as special. Yeah. So it's just I just feel for those Definitely. 10 people that are like meters away but from I bet, finishing. And like that'd be lifetime goals. For sure, for but I tell you what, I bet you all those people, um, Come back next year. No, smash I was going to say, I bet all those people listen to FT. Or never run a step again. I was going to say, they'll all listen to FTK. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. They would all come back next year, I'm sure, and um, and get it. Then you find out it's only on every 10, yeah. every 10 years or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, now, what's yours? <laughs> probably the funniest thing we've seen in a long time. I'd still laugh when I'm thinking about it. So we have to thank Jack Rayner for sending this. We're in a me. Me, um, Brett, and uh, Jack in a group chat, 
with a lot of funny stuff being sent all the time. And Jack alerted us to this. It was a a bloke um, who has tagged. He's obviously bought a new pair of shoes from. <laughs> it's come up on my phone. I'm, <laughs> he's bought a new pair of shoes from the running company Ballarat. And he's filming the shoes. So it starts <laughs> starts off with the camera on himself <laughs> in the car, and he's just filming himself. And then he flips the camera to go onto the sh- onto the shoes, and the camera is like distorted somehow. So it makes like the shoe stretch out. It's honestly like child's humor, <laughs> but it is. St- I'm 28 years old, and I was. I reckon I watched it 50 times, and I know you found it so funny too, Brett. Um, the shoe was like a, a meter. <laughs> And then, and, he then. Prefer- and, then, and then he reverses the camera and then his head's all... <laughs> Fucking hell. I can't even get it out. It's on- it's so stupid for you guys. It's the lot. most stupid humor. I reckon... I, I still sort of think like... Because me and you were like, oh, how do you not find this funny? But I reckon there's like a good amount of mature listeners that will just look at that and go, that's just, that's just <laughs> yeah. not funny at all. Like grow up, boys. But I'm, I'm sorry. It's definitely the most I've laughed from any Instagram segment. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was good. Good, uh, some good uh, Instagram segments there to yeah. finish up the season. I think it's a really good, good way to close out the season. Um, now we definitely will. I reckon you what you probably will hear our voice again between now and um, early October when we come back for season three. Um, obviously, we have one more Q and A. Um, that's with Pip Taylor. Uh, that's coming out next coming out this Thursday and that's a an expert Q&A all around micronutrition. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be – that's a re- really good one. Brett and I will finally find out when and when and uh, where we should be taking our pillar performance products. Um, I actually will listen to it. <laughs> you get something out, out of it. Um, but, yeah, I reckon you might hear maybe like a little bonus sort of special episode or something uh, in the season break. Um, but don't worry, Brett and I are not going off to Santorini this time. We are busy working in the shadows for the month. Yep, hopefully some big things coming um, over the next month and for next season. Can I just say, do you follow that um, Cat Squith Instagram page, the guy who takes the piss out of all the music producers, DJ stuff? It's such a funny page and he always nah. he posts this thing taking the piss out of DJs that go like big things coming or like exciting things coming yeah, it's really. the thing that you say it's like everyone says that and it's like <laughs> come on we've got to yeah I suppose big things coming just stay tuned big things coming <laughs> yeah watch, watch this space, space. <laughs> alright guys thank you so much for listening see you later see you guys <laughs> <laughs>